welcome to the Evidence Informed Teaching Podcast. Are you a teacher wanting to improve your classroom practice and deliver excellent teaching through access to research? Do you have a passion for teaching and are looking to connect with other like-minded colleagues through professional discussions? The Charter College has partnered with TeacherTap to support teachers to deliver excellent teaching through access to research and we invite you to be part of this community. On this podcast you will hear from fellow teachers, research experts and you have the opportunity to be part of this professional discussion. You can find out more about the Charter College of Teaching and TeacherTap in the show notes and if you find this episode helpful why not share it with a teacher friend take a screenshot and post it on your social media or even better leave us a five-star written review welcome to another episode of evidence informed teaching my name is Alison Peacock and I lead the Chartered College of Teaching and today I am joined by one of our fellows um, Christina Astin who is a fellow of the Chartered College of Teaching And Christina, you've been doing some very interesting work in terms of partnerships between the independent and state sector. And as colleagues listening to this podcast may well know, the Chartered College is equally available to teachers um, in both the independent sector and the state sector. And we're very keen to hear about partnerships. So Christina, tell me, how did you begin this work? Well, thank you very much for having me today. It's really lovely to talk to you. And uh, I just feel that it's an incredibly important area of um, school life at the moment. We face so many challenges in education. And if we can work together to solve some of the problems, at least, then uh, then we should do. For me, it grew out of um, a job I had at the King's School in Canterbury, where I was leading partnerships. Um, that was after a uh, over two decades teaching physics in the classroom and, and leading science. Um, And my role within leading partnerships really um, developed. Um, I got to know a lot of people doing similar jobs in other schools and together we formed the Schools Together group, which is now uh, fledged into a charity, the School Partnerships Alliance. Um, And together we're really trying to change the narrative around cross-sector partnerships, which had been very much before that about um, the idea that independent schools could help state schools, which, um, <laughs> as we all know, is a little bit um, uh, ridiculous and one sided. And that idea of sort of benevolence uh, has really been um, quite unhelpful and, and the motives misconstrued um, about you know, schools trying to work together. So um, since then, 2016, um, I've been working to try and support uh, schools to work together in mutually beneficial partnerships through training, through consultancy, um, and my latest venture, which is actually writing a, a workbook, uh, a sort of online course for uh, for schools as well. Good. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you're. Uh, you know, you've got plenty to keep you busy. <laughs> so, in terms of this this work, I'm, I'm really fascinated to. Effectively, I think what you're going to need to do is to shift the culture because you're quite right you know traditionally it's been seen as sort of the independent sector sort of being able to see where they can help out a little bit with the state sector and typically because they've got perhaps nicer grounds perhaps some of the facilities that the state schools might not have and yet actually the work of the chartered college is showing more and more that state school teachers independent school teachers have so much in common in terms of the ways they want to develop their pedagogy, the way they want to develop their curriculum, their concern for their students. Can you tell me a bit about some of the successes that you've had along the way? 
Yeah, well, I, I think what you just said there is, is really, really um, important that independent schools uh, might traditionally have been seen as being better resourced. And, you know, in some cases, but not all, that, that is, of course, true. Um, there is a sort of inequality there. But the expertise mm -hmm. um, and the interest in developing our young people is, is of course, universal. So um, a lot of the work that I have found myself doing in the last few years is about measuring impact. So um, a lot of uh, independent schools um, are going about partnerships with the very, very best of intentions, but it does look on the surface as a bit outreachy rather than partnershipsy and, mm -hmm. and trying to um, help schools to see that mutual benefit which is there it's just a question of really looking looking for it and then to measure it and of course you know the the chartered college uh uh journal is called impact and it is all about measuring impact um so starting with a sort of theory of change and and uh, encouraging schools to look at what the need is that they're meeting rather than um perhaps what has been happening a little bit more which is independent schools thinking well you know we're really good at music we we let's put on a, a day for string players in local primary schools without actually wondering whether that's going to help local primary schools so it's about meeting a need of the whole community so i suppose a lot of what i've been doing is is encouraging schools to look at things more holistically um looking at the local landscape meeting with partners to to get to know them, to talk to them, to listen to, you know, what everybody is 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 after, and then working uh, working out how to to meet those needs, and then how to measure whether you you actually are making a difference. So, can you give me a specific example of something that's worked really well? Yes. Well, I think probably one of the things I I would um, point to is some of the multi-school partnerships, some of the regional or local area partnerships that have been set up in um, recent years. And, and the one that I was most close, closely involved with was East Kent Schools Together. And this is um, a multi-school partnership with now 10 schools, three independent and seven state schools and a university. So it's, it's, uh, that brings a, a particular nuance to the partnership, which is very exciting. And East Kent Schools Together um, has been um, working in a very sort of um, mutually beneficial level playing field sort of way. Um, in that each of the partner schools and the university contribute uh, the same amount as a sort of levy, which goes into a central pot to pay for a neutral coordinator. And that coordinator can then um, run the activities, which have a very specific aim of improving student well-being, resilience and confidence, some of these, these life skills. It's not about academic performance, you know, the schools are very different in their academic um, landscapes, but this student well-being and these some of these soft skills or life skills, employability skills are, are absolutely universal. And the partnership does an amazing job of providing opportunities for students to mix, to meet, to learn about each other, whilst doing something that isn't apparently about that. It might be a a Dragon's Den business style event that's really aimed at improving confidence. It might be uh, an outward bound event uh, with sort of team building at its at its heart. Um, it might be exam skills preparation and so on. Um, and there are activities also for teachers. So I think that's probably one of the one of the projects I'm most proud of. 
Yes, I was going to ask you about that. So obviously you can see there the benefits for students straight away of gathering together and, and engaging in, in activities that support their well-being. What are the what are the benefits do you think for anybody listening to this who maybe has never even considered um, a cross-sector partnership, whether they're in the independent sector or the state sector, has never really considered what might be the benefits of that. What do you think the, the benefits are for teachers particularly? Mm. Well, uh, I go back to an example from my physics background here. Um, so I, I started to do quite a lot of uh, work with local state schools. Uh, and I, I was coming from a school that had um, a, you know, a, a generous number of physics specialist teachers, which is quite rare to find in, in many state schools. And I was working with a, a school and we were looking at some of the uh, GCSE required practicals and they didn't have a class set of, of some particular instrument that was needed. Uh, and I said, oh, well, have you asked the, the school next door? And they happened to be next door to an independent school. Oh, no, no, I hadn't really thought of that. And, and I realised then that actually we just need to build bridges between mm. these different types of schools. And there's a, a, a beautiful example of where teachers could really benefit. Obviously, it's the students ultimately that are benefiting from that. But um, there's so much support that teachers can get by uh, linking with schools of the opposite sector. And that goes both ways, because I think that um, state schools often have the edge on uh, certain aspects of pedagogy, of things like pupil monitoring data, um, behaviour management, uh, well-being, diversity and inclusion and so on. So, you know, working together, um, the teachers can benefit and then those benefits are passed on to students. Some teachers also um, sit on governing bodies of each other's community schools, and, and that can be enormously helpful in shattering those stereotypes uh, which are sometimes a little bit um, misconstrued. And having the opportunity to really focus on subject specialism, uh, it strikes me is the beauty of the kind of relationship you've just described, that, you know, physicists working together to really promote their subject and promote student learning across the board in terms of, of achievement and attainment, that feels like a really important part of, of what's going on. When you're working in a state school, of course, the subject that you teach is really important, but too often, in my opinion, there are so many other draws on your time, so many other things that, are, that pull you away from doing the very thing that hopefully you wanted to do when you, when you started teaching that subject. So to have opportunities to really engage with other colleagues, to think about the subject, to think about the pedagogy, to share equipment, share resources, share approaches to assessment, all of that seems incredibly fruitful. Yes, me. and one of the great advantages of East Kent Schools Together and other similar multi-school partnerships, there are many more being set up around the country now, um, was having teacher cluster groups. Mm. So you might get, for example, all the modern foreign languages teachers coming together from across those 10 schools. And you might discover that the paper that you're teaching, uh, well, one of the other teachers in one of the other schools actually is the examiner for that paper. You know, that's incredibly useful and shared CPD and, um, you know, maybe particularly with modern foreign languages, which is also a challenge in schools, is um, some shared conversation lessons, for example. Mm -hmm. um, 
Uh, music is another subject, isn't it, where in many schools there might just be one music teacher and pretty lonely job. So just making that network locally rather than having to maybe go to London for professional development, you know, the heart of everything. Um, you can actually <laughs> find some some local support and um, then draw on partnerships locally to get children together for bigger performances, choirs, orchestras, brass bands or whatever. And in fact, tomorrow morning, uh, I realise this might be time limited now, uh, I, I run a network called Partner Chat and we have monthly breakfast briefings and uh, we take a different topic each month to discuss where schools can work together and to um, take a, some soundings on, on what works really well. Um, and in tomorrow's breakfast briefing, we're exploring music partnerships. So we've got about we've got over 70 people coming along just to talk about um, what works well in terms of music partnerships. And of course, collaboration and collegiality is absolutely at the heart of the Chartered College. It's, it's sort of in our DNA, if you, if you know what I mean. So everything you're talking about um, really resonates with me. But... Um, I just wonder, you, you said that there are partnerships springing up all over the country. What do you think, what do you think has been the incentive for that? Well, I think there are a number of different reasons why schools partner. And in fact, when I'm um, running training courses on partnerships, we, we start with that question, really. What, what are your reasons for partnering? And they can come from many, many different directions. It might be a, 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 a drive for school improvement. Um, it might be a drive to connect students with a wider, diverse uh, network of people. Uh, it might be that teacher incentive that we were just talking about. Um, it might be in the in the case of an independent school, it might it might be something to do with their charitable status. And, and that can be a real problem because it, if the state school that they're reaching out to thinks they're just trying to tick a box, then that's not setting off the relationship on a, on a good footing. But there are many reasons, and I always encourage schools to, to think about those reasons um, as well as the needs that they're trying to, to fulfil. Um, uh, but I, I think what's really a, a fruitful way of starting a, a relationship, a partnership with another school, is just to start a conversation, meet people from the other school, listen to each other, build that relationship, um, build some trust. Um, across the sectors, um, maybe attending each other's um, events um, and getting to know what the, the challenges and the, um, the strengths are also of, of each other's schools. And do you, um, do you work with any schools that have joined MATS? So do you, have, do you work with schools that are part of um, cross-sector partnerships in, and have, have formalised that into a MAT? Yes, um, it's it's quite rare for an independent school to be part of a mat, but they do have um, there are quite a lot of examples where independent schools have formed a partnership with a mat or with a school which is in a mat, and there's no uh, there's no need for these relationships to then encompass the entire trust. Um, of course, most schools are members of a number of different networks at any one time, whether that's a a diocesan relationship or a teaching schools alliance or a local head teachers association or whatever it is I, I think that each relationship needs to be looked at in terms of its own merit you know what are both schools getting out of it but interestingly we had a partner chat breakfast briefing on this last month looking at um, the relationships between independent schools and trusts 
um, and I had some really interesting speakers. There's the Learning Partnership uh, Trust uh, in Guildford, which has a, a formal relationship with two independent schools in Guildford. And, you know, they, they work together really, really strongly down there. And then you've got examples, for example, in um, Birmingham, you have the King Edwards Foundation, which contains a multi-academy trust um, of um, non-selective and grammar schools. And then you've also got a couple of independent schools with it. And, and I think each school brings different things to the table. So it's a question of, you know, from each according to his uh, means to each according to his needs. Yes. And I think I think the notion of working in partnership has got so much stronger over the past decade. Um, and we saw it, didn't we, during the during the pandemic, you know, the way in which leaders work together to try and problem solve and try and find their way through the absolute. Um, well, the real challenges of navigating health and safety, all the kinds of issues around how do we teach remotely and so on. And the more that people were able to learn from each other, the better it struck, it struck me. And also this, as we're doing now, the, the capacity to be able to speak and to communicate so effectively digitally also breaks down barriers, doesn't it? You don't have to travel a long way in order to be able to collaborate anymore. It's, it's much more about a meeting of minds and, and what really works. Yes, and, and the, these teacher cluster group meetings have become so much easier now that you don't have to uh, to, to travel uh, across the city or across half a county to, to meet. So things like that have been um, so much easier. And, and actually, the, the pandemic did spark off some new collaborations um, that just work on a virtual platform. For example, um, there's a collaboration between several different partnerships called Expert Ed, uh, which is a wonderful partnership of um, where, where um, experts are brought in front of groups of primary school children um, through a Zoom link straight into their classroom. So you've got people like Robert Winston and Helen Sharman up on the screen being interviewed by a, a host and uh, just short, sharp, 20, 30 minute um, periods. Um, and the children can ask questions in the chat. And, you know, for a small primary school, particularly, you know, if you're in a, a rural setting, that kind of enrichment and that kind of connection and, and improvement in science capital is so difficult for them to access normally. But there it is streamed straight into their into their classrooms. Um, so there have been a few initiatives like that, which which actually without the pandemic, we might not we might not have seen. No, I think the potential for this kind of working is so huge. We're probably only really just sort of beginning to dip our toe in the water. Mm. Even so, there are some schools that aren't keen at all. There are some schools that don't want to work in partnership with anybody. <laughs> why do you think that is? Why, why would that, it doesn't matter which sector it's from, but why, why would you get that attitude of kind of pulling up the drawbridge and saying, no, we don't need to partner? I, I think there are a lot of reasons and, and um, I've noticed that when schools are uh, under extreme challenge, as we had in the pandemic, but certainly as we have at the moment with cost of living and recruitment, retention and so on, mm. some schools will um, batten down the hatches and turn inwards and try to solve the problem on their own. 
Um, others, though, look outwards. Um, and I suppose it's down to leadership, isn't it? And, and what kind of style of leadership um, a school has. But I think the reluctance comes from, um, especially across sector, of worrying about the motives um, that each sector might 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 be uh, approaching with. They might feel that they've got nothing in common, or that one school's issues aren't really relevant to another's. I think honestly, in a, in a number of schools, um, they've just not really considered partnering with a, an independent school or an independent school with a state school in order to meet the needs that they have because they might just it's just not a priority and then there well, are practice sorry no I was going to say as, as you as you say the more that you encourage meetings to build trust to share examples of practice the more likely it is that you're going to find a point of connection that is going to be mutually beneficial yeah I think it's really important just to start um, humbly and openly um, share your, your your strengths but also your gaps and to say look you know let's let's build this relationship we may not do very much with it but things then begin to emerge um, and that's that's when the magic starts to happen um, and this is what this is your job full time now is it this is this is what you do this this is most of what I do. I still, um, of course, physics is very, very close to my heart. <laughs> and so I do still do some um, physics professional development and some science advice. I was the Kent science advisor for secondary schools for, for a number of years. And so uh, I am asked to go into schools and conduct science reviews and to support heads of science and so on. I do a bit of um, science leadership training as well. Um, but what's what's really fun is when projects come along that sort of combine my passion for partnerships and my love of science and uh, about a year ago I was appointed chair of a consortium called Planet Possibility uh, which is uh, has five partners all funded by the Institute of Physics from its challenge fund the aim of which is to improve diversity in physics. Um, it's, it's a challenging piece of work um, but it's great great fun um, because we're all working in very very different ways to try to improve diversity whether that's gender ethnicity socioeconomic background uh, disability neurodiversity and so on um, but no it's good, good to feel that that we're making a difference through a, a different sort of partnership really I was going to say I mean I can't imagine uh, as a talented physicist that you're allowed to get away with um doing anything else really <laughs> yeah, and I do occasionally get asked to go into a school and run uh, some sessions on physics for the students and I and I always try to say yes because I think it's really important to mm. to keep grounded in the classroom um, but I'm very fortunate to have worked really across both sectors most of my teaching experience was in the independent sector but since uh, since I came out of there I've been working to support teachers um, in mostly in the state sector and then the partnership sort of brings brings both sides of that together. Yes, and I can absolutely tell that you love what you're doing. Now, at the moment, across teaching, you will know that we have a bit of a crisis in terms of recruitment and retention of teachers. Is there anything that you might say to our listener? Just suppose there's someone who hasn't decided whether or not to join the teaching profession yet. Anything that you could say to encourage them? Uh, what can I say? It is the best job in the world. <laughs> if you're a teacher if you're a teacher you will never get up in the morning and wonder why you're why you're doing it I mean you are you are not an engineer or a lawyer or a physicist 
or a bus driver, you are educating all of those future engineers, bus drivers, lawyers, etc. It's it's just um, the most rewarding job in the world. Yes, it's hard, but I do genuinely believe that any job worth its salt is is hard work. Um, and you know, I think that being part of the Chartered College is uh, a fantastic way of feeling that professional network that I think we've we, we were all um, hankering after for so many years and and here it is and it's it's just doing brilliant work and I, I, the, the impact focus uh, of the journal is something which I think um, is reflects the way that the the teaching has become more professional and more research-led and I, I think that's incredibly important. Well, thank you for saying that. I mean, it's it's clear to me that as you move through your career and you take different decisions and you've taken the decision to really focus on partnerships, that all of the time, everything that you're doing impacts on the children. So the more that you have a relationship between two schools with teachers talking to each other, maybe sharing facilities, sharing ideas, sharing resources, sharing opportunities for the young people, everybody gains. And every teacher that you influence then influences however many more young people because every teacher is working with so many. So the impact is unknowable, but um, feels very worthwhile, doesn't it? Well, thank you so much for talking to me today. It's been absolutely fascinating hearing about your career and what you're doing. And I wish you every luck as you continue on your journey. Thank you very much. If you have enjoyed today's episode and would like to access more research evidence for your classroom, you can join the Chartered College of Teaching for as little as $1.96 per month at www.chartered.college. And remember to download TeacherTap free from your app or Play Store to share your views, opinions and experiences from the classroom. Every voice makes the picture clearer.